With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Creature Features Season 2. Last time, I left you on a cliffhanger, so today we'll be finishing up The Seven Deadly Sins, Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Sorry, uh, I mean The Seven Deadly Sins, Part 2, Erotic Bonobo. Anyways, we'll be diving headfirst into some of the most sinful animals and people. Let's explore some salacious songbirds, covetous canines, gluttonous gulls, and much, much more on today's episode of Creature Feature. With me today is Jack O'Brien. He's the host of The Daily Zeitgeist. There you go. Yeah, nailed it. Did I get that one right? Uh Uh-huh. Despite your high-pitched voice, you were correct. You could say The Daily Zeitgeist. The Daily Zeitgeist. And on a declarative uh, low note. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Big fan. Yeah, Uh, for sure. First time, long time. into lust. Oh, no. I know, right? It's pretty disgusting. I find it gross. It is gross. I mean, you know, I think if people just would stop feeling emotions, Mm -hmm. everything would be less disgusting. Totally. (laughs) Well, that solves it. So, the Bible blames the sin of lust for our human infidelities, but are there other driving factors behind the psychology of cheating? There's a study that looks at cheating, not on your wife or husband, but on your trusting, loving bagel man. There was an economist who quit his job to sell bagels. He used the honor system. He would deliver bagels to businesses and leave a money collection box for taking a bagel. Most people would pay, but there were cheaters. And cheating tended to increase at bigger, more impersonal offices, during bad weather, and during Christmas and Valentine's Day. According to surveys, people are more likely to cheat when they have the opportunity to and when they feel they're good Samaritans, like somehow deserve to cheat. So that explains why they feel like during Christmas and Valentine's Day you can cheat because, you know, you're buying people gifts and maybe during bad weather you feel like, well, life is crappy, it's raining, so I'm just going to steal a bagel. Right. Yeah, you're treating yourself. Right, right. Like like if God decided to rain on me, I'm going to 
take a bagel. Well, right. And during Christmas, we also, you know, drink and eat bad foods. Uh, food doesn't have calories on Christmas or around right. the Christmas season. Uh, so I'm sure it's that same sort of overall system of just not feeling like we need to be responsible hey. for anything that is uh, allowing us to steal the proverbial bagel, if you know what I'm saying. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's gross. But <laughs> even if these excuses work for bagel pilfering, there's something about romantic cheating that is considered to be especially wicked, one of the ultimate breaches in trust. For humans, it's the emotional blow of having someone we love betray us. For our animals, the costs of cheating are a cold, cruel, biological calculation. Most animals aren't monogamous, and for many species, this is the best strategy. You're diversifying your genetic risk by mating with lots of partners. But birds are an exception. Almost 90% of bird species are monogamous, meaning they will form a pair bond either for life or, as is often the case, just a single breeding season. And in a way, this makes sense. Nests require work to build, eggs and chicks are vulnerable to predators, and chicks are loud, insatiable little horrors. Mm. So having two parents around is often critical for their survival. But even though birds form adorable little nuclear families, their infidelity is so dramatic, it'd make Jerry Springer's head spin. That's a timely, timely reference. Timely Yeah, in yeah. 2019. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. King of sin, Jerry Springer. Hey, my dude, millennials, remember Jerry Springer? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's interesting that birds are the sort of monogamous among us. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing because I think it does have to do with how their babies are very helpless. So like, you know, you look at a lot of ungulates, like hooved animals, they just pop right out and they're ready to go. Uh, they can walk within just about 30 minutes. Right. Um, but like a baby bird, they're just little squishy balls of flesh right. with they a mouth. Right, they just sit there and open their mouth. Right. And yeah, they are very similar to human babies, <laughs> actually. Human babies are, aren't they like known to be the most helpless of all the babies? For the yeah, longest? they take the longest to develop, and they don't really make that much sense as an animal because their heads are huge. They can't even lift their own heads like when they're first born, yeah. and they have no motor skills. Right. Uh, they absolutely can't do anything for themselves, and then it also takes them years to actually be able to survive on their own. I know. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and he's just now learning how to kill his own dinner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and I, I think I've heard that the theory is that, uh, you know, they basically for that time that they're out and completely helpless, they could just be in the mother's body still gestating, but they aren't because their head would be too wide to pass through the mother's yeah. hips. Yeah, too wide and too solid. Like right. uh, their head has to be squishy. Um, there's that the where those plates uh, connect on the head where it's like yeah. the, the fontanelle where yeah. it's like still squishy. <laughs> yeah, babies come out. This is a this was a big surprise to me and some of my friends who just had babies that uh, babies come out looking like cone heads. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying. You're like, oh no, what did we just do you should never like rest your drink on a baby's head because it'll just like create like sort of an impression of your beer i mean you know although I, it does make it easier for it to you know kind of right. like a little i mean cozy. there there are uh you know risk reward right uh, right 
you you do want to have a place to rest your beer when you, <laughs> when you have a new child around. You're gonna need a beer, right? Yeah, you need to stay pretty drunk, guys. Uh, These are all good parenting. Tips. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm good at parenting. Yes. So you want to go on an imagination Yay! journey? Yeah, I was waiting for you to ask yeah. me that. Yeah, yeah. This is a fun one. Okay, I'm closing my eyes. Yes. Now, imagine if your wife started acting strangely. Hey, I don't need to imagine for that. <laughs> oh, am I right, fellas? Oh, that's my new catchphrase on nice, the show, apparently. That's really am funny. I right, fellas? Uh, all right, I apologize. <laughs> uh, that's, you're just going to be like, no, 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 I didn't mean it. It was a bit. I know, it was a bit. I know. <laughs> uh, my wife does listen to the Daily Zeitgeist, and I get in trouble basically every time her name comes up. I was like, oh, I that's... wasn't mean about that. She's <laughs> like, you made me sound so mean. <laughs> Uh, So she makes grocery trips at odd hours and your energy bill skyrockets. Mm. Um, So there's a closet you're not supposed to go in Mm. uh, because it has, quote unquote, Christmas presents in there. Um, But you start to just get this this sinking feeling that something's weird. So you decide. What month is it? It's, uh, you know. Uh, July. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm I'm starting to get very suspicious here. Uh, so you decide to peek inside, and you find that there's a large industrial refrigerator in there. Oh boy! So you open the door, and there's you know a whoosh of cold air, and inside are dozens of vials of a white substance, each labeled with a specimen number. Uh-huh. And next to the fridge, you find stacks of files containing information on quote-unquote donors oh. with a profile of their health and genetic compatibility with your wife. Oh, that does not sound very good for me. Well, bad news if you're a bird. Oh, <laughs> that also doesn't sound very good for me. Uh, Katie knows this because she's sitting across from me, but most of the listeners might not know. I am a giant bird. Yeah, it's it's like really disgusting in the office too. <laughs> yeah, just shit everywhere. Just White, shit, hot shit. God, I hate bird poop. I mean, like I've heard people say that oh, bird poop is one of the least uh, obnoxious forms of animal poop because yeah. it's not smelly, but it's just. It's white, and that's weird to me. It is weird. It, it is good that it's not smelly, though. Yeah, it's if true. If they pooped like dogs, that would be a real problem for yeah, us as, just, as people. Just dog poop like a, falling from the sky. Just some kind of like dog-bird hybrid, and there's just like like mounds of poop yeah. all over chairs. Yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to think about Ugh. that. So let's go back to birds. Okay. Many species of birds, as I mentioned earlier, they're monogamous, but they will still cheat from time to time. And uh, only at the grocery store, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm getting your imagination journey correct. And then they tell their partners that it's, oh, you know, I'm shopping for Christmas presents. Uh-huh. Because it's bird Christmas. Yes. Do they put humans in a pear tree at, at bird Christmas? <laughs> that, that is Get the it? question. Because it's bird Christmas. We do, yes. Uh, this is probably not going to come out around Christmas, so this is going to really... Uh, these jokes are going to land. Yeah. Um, so Christmas jokes are only <laughs> funny around Christmas. It's true. Uh, so researchers found that Goldie and Finch females will not cheat too often, but even if they cheat once, they can store the sperm from the tryst and use it to fertilize the majority of their offspring. So I don't know if you guessed on our little imagination uh, journey, but... You know, that was a refrigerator full of sperm. 
is uh oh yeah you didn't specifically say that i never i assume all white substances are sperm that's safe makes mayonnaise sandwiches very difficult for me yeah mayonnaise really i don't like it i know yeah that's my thing (laughs) <laughs> that's also that is <laughs> that's a good my trade, thing. That's my trademark: not liking mayonnaise and thinking everything that is white and gooey is probably sperm. Yeah, yeah, they're great trademarks, Katie. I've yeah. always said that. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's Katie. She hates mayonnaise and thinks everything's sperm. Because it looks sperm. like sperm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's logical. So, Goulian finches come in two flavors. There's the redheaded and the blackheaded. So redheaded finches are more genetically compatible with other redheaded finches, which sounds like if there was like a weird kind of like if Nazis were all redheads, mm-hmm. that and just like, you know, all freckly and redheads, they, they'd just well, all- Well, now you're describing my nightmare. <laughs> they'd all, I mean, that'd be easy though, because instead of being killed by the Russian winter, they just, anytime the sun comes out, they'd be like, no. Right. Yeah. I hate our, red. Our plot, oh. we must go inside. We cannot take over Europe. Your German accent is yeah. spot on. It's very good. I'm good at accents. Yeah, you should be a spy. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, so if a redheaded finch mates with another redheaded finch, their offspring is much more likely to survive because. It's a genetic masterpiece. Uh, okay. <laughs> that sounds very... Uh, Nazi-ish. A little We're bit. Very I'm Jewish. I I get to say things. Like <laughs> okay. Genetic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Red, red. Genet- mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm taking notes. Genetic masterpiece. <laughs> um, so this is also the same thing for like black-headed finches. When they're paired up, their genetic compatibility is better. And isn't that the opposite of humans? Aren't humans supposed to mate with people who are genetically dissimilar from them? Yes, but it's sort of complicated. So like it is a good kind of heuristic that someone who looks more different from you is probably gonna be more diverse from you. Um, But there are certain things that like in human, there are certain markers that can fit together better and it doesn't seem to have any connection to physical appearance. So got it. Um, but in, in these finches, it's, it's just a different kind of story. But yeah, in general, even with, with animals, genetic diversity is better, um, but there can it's be... It's not with the finches. Yeah. And, well, I mean, it's not that diversity isn't better. It's just that there are certain compatible gene markers that uh, occur in redheaded versus the... The, the black-headed. Other, yeah. Got it. Um and if you mate with your twin, you will give birth to an evil king. I think yeah, that's the rule. With six fingers. Yeah. Right. Um, so the study paired up female finches with male finches and allowed them to mate, and they formed a social pair. And then the researchers allowed the female to have a short affair with another bird. Uh, <laughs> Weird. I know. These researchers are just like, you're going to have go on. Go go on. Have sex with that other bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, that was a very convincing impression. Yes. Yes. Uh, Horny scientist, <laughs> much better than your German impression. Now kiss. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> kiss, kiss the bird. Kiss each other. Um, okay. The one true pairing. Uh, all right, so <laughs> so they found that given the opportunity, the females were just as likely to cheat no matter the head color of the male they were cheating with or the head color of their own partners. So they're just horny, horny gals. Horny gals, thing. okay. Um, and female finches whose social bond was with different headed finches, so less genetically compatible, right. and who had the chance to have a tryst with the same headed finch 
managed to store the sperm from the affair with the more genetically compatible finch, and they used it in up to 75% of their fertilized eggs. Huh. So... Now, okay, so you're talking about storing sperm. I'm mm-hmm. assuming these birds do not have industrial refrigerators in their ca- in their In their cages, hoo-hahs? In their hoo-hahs or, <laughs> or in their nests. Um, no. So is this a decision that they're making, like... Is it something that's happening in their butt? I guess I was going to ask consciously. Like can, but... they, can they think about, I want to hold on to this sperm? Yeah. Probably not. It's just happening inside their body. Yeah. And they're not really no, controlling I, it. No, I wouldn't say. I, I don't think that they're, because like, you know, they're not thinking through like, hey, all right, this sperm is more. They're not like little robots who can analyze like the sperm and be like, this sperm is not compatible. But Things that can happen is like you look down to sort of the cellular level, there could be some ability for that sperm to be stored longer because it's like genetically more compatible. Yeah, the body is just responding more positively. But to be honest, researchers aren't really sure. So uh, researcher Sarah Pryke says they don't totally know how the finches manage this. It's, quote, a little bit of a black box, what's actually happening inside the box. female. Huh. Uh, yeah, so the female finch's vagina is a black box. Uh, hey. They don't know. So when the bird Aren't crashes... they all? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> all right, sorry. Ah, uh, boom roasted. But yeah, I mean, it, like it's like if a bird crashes. I like this idea of like saying, like, well, we got to look at the bird vagina. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And did the study mention if they show... Like when they're mating with somebody for the season, do they show a preference for a genetically similar versus genetically different? Or I guess you wouldn't really need to show that preference because your body is just doing some behind the scenes sperm juggling? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be more just that biologically there's a preference, maybe not uh, like intellectually right. uh, a preference for the genetically more compatible and it, it's crazy because, like, they can keep that sperm stored in their reproductive tract for up to 13 days. Wow. Which is kind of gross. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that means that they can be mating with their actual partner and use that sperm to continue to fertilize their eggs. What is the length that that happens with human to keep things in a disgusting area. But like, isn't there a long yeah. window that- um, I think it's like, I think it remains viable for around a week. Yeah. Which- Is longer than I would have expected. Is longer than I- it Then sh- it should then be. Then it should be. Yeah, God made a horrible mistake I think it when depe- designing that. Maybe it depends though, if like, if you're keeping yourself at room temperature or like, right. like I wonder if it spoils faster or it's like hot. <laughs> Now, don't go out in the sun, (laughs) Brent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gross. It is. All all sex is gross. It's all disgusting. This podcast is about discouraging people from expressing (laughs) expressing physical forms of love. Yes. It's disgusting. You should be ashamed. 100%. I so disagreed with that sentiment. My mouth wouldn't even let me say it. It's like, no, you fool. That's mean. Stop it. Stop saying that. (laughs) Then our species would die up. (laughs) So only about 4% of all mammals are monogamous. Even our closest relatives, the apes, aren't always monogamous. Gibbons are faithful, but chimpanzees and gorillas are promiscuous. So why are some apes monogamous and others living a banana-fueled orgy lifestyle? 
One theory is that infanticide has driven some species of apes to become monogamous. Mm. Uh, so that's killing of babies. Mm-hmm. So in species where there's a great threat of rival males killing the babies of their own species, monogamy ensures the males will work with the females to protect their offspring. Huh. This doesn't actually explain why humans are monogamous. This theory only works for primate species who aren't in close-knit troops or societies in which the case the whole group will protect the babies. Human monogamy is on a different evolutionary path than that of gibbons, given that our closest ape relatives, chimps and bonobos, are horny little tramps. They love humping each other. They'll hump anyone. It's just, it's madness. Mm. It's uh, evangelical's worst nightmare. Uh, Also, humans aren't always monogamous. Only 17% of human cultures exclusively allow for monogamy, But even in these more permissive cultures, people are still more likely to form monogamous relationships. So there's actually a book called Sex at Dawn that talks about how people had sex and formed family units in very early human societies and also looked at some tribal communities now, like hunter-gatherer, I think, is the delineation he makes uh, between, like, hunter-gatherer pre-government societies. And he was basically suggesting that tribal and like non-monogamous is the natural state of humans. And basically he's suggesting that humans in the early tribal state would all have sex with each other and the men wouldn't know whose kid was whose. So they would all just look out for all the children in their tribe. And it would be this big... You know, if you ask me, the idea sounds kind of communist, <laughs> downright communist, but uh, sex you know, communism, sex communism, uh, which communes are a, are a thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've he- I've heard this theory before, and I think uh, one of the difficulties with determining whether it's that we we are promiscuous by nature and therefore we created social groups is the causality. So. It could be that once we form social groups, it's easier to be promiscuous because having that group looking out for you means that you won't be punished for uh, sleeping around. Your children will be raised by the group and protected by the group no matter what versus if you were isolated where you have much more of a motivation to make sure you're monogamous, make sure your partner's monogamous so that you're Uh, investing everything in the correct genetic um, organism, which sounds really cold, but that is sort of the calculation that animals make. Um, So, But then the other way could be that, oh, because we were promiscuous, then we formed these social groups because, you know, if you don't know who your, your offspring is, then it's more beneficial to form these big groups where you're just all looking out for each other. So it's hard, it's hard to say which way that like did we did we start right. out sleeping around and form society around our desire to be right. promiscuous or did we start forming social groups because there is some evolutionary evidence that once our brains started to change and we became less aggressive and we had less testosterone right. we became more pro social because we became more gentle less prone to this sort of impulsive violence and that enabled us to form social groups interesting um just changing the way we think about right, right. not wanting to kill everything in front of us. Right. It is kind of interesting because, like, uh, you know, you, you may 
have like some interaction that our ability to form social groups because we're uh, a lot and because, even though chimps form social groups they are a lot more violent so they have trouble like say forming bigger social groups they have these individual troops and they don't get along with other mm -hmm. troops very well but humans being a little less aggro could potentially start to communicate with other other social groups and like hey you know we're not so different let's trade shells and right. um you know and so it's it makes it and then that nature that kind of pro social nature may make people either, it's hard to say whether that would make them more monogamous or more promiscuous cuz right. i could see arguments both way like if you're more monogamous you may form a stronger emotional connection because you're less aggressive but you could also be you know, just like if everyone's socializing, there's more chance for promiscuity. Yeah. And I guess another way to look at it would be that the natural state is tribal where everybody has sex with everybody else. And that's like the best for the like overall uh, utilitarian, like that's the highest level of happiness. But then like a handful of like jealous, uh, weak men were like, <laughs> I'm going to build society so that I can... <laughs> control women right. so that they only have sex with me. <laughs> um, but I think that's basically the thesis of Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at Tinder, that does seem to like, like if you're like, hey, have sex with me, and you're like, no, like, you dirty slut. <laughs> I, yeah. Which doesn't actually make sense. Yeah, and by the way, you heard the theory that I just suggested from a guy trying to get you to join his commune, right? <laughs> just want to make that clear to everybody. Okay. His sex commune. Yeah. One of the most common questions about monogamy in humans is whether it's natural, which is a tricky question given that even our early ancestors formed social groups which influenced their behavior. But I think what this question is trying to get at is whether it's a biological imperative or a culturally learned one. There are some biological markers that seem to indicate we should be monogamous. Primates with higher second to fourth finger length ratios tend to be less promiscuous as it's a marker of lower testosterone exposure. And that's the case for humans, like if you look at your hand. But monogamous primates like gibbons often have smaller testes due to the lack of need for sperm competition with rivals. And in polygamous species like chimpanzees, the testes are large and ready to, quote, play ball with rival Gross. males. Um, but in humans, the testes ratio is kind of somewhere in the middle. Not too big, not too small, the Goldilocks of balls. So this is the issue with looking for a single biological marker to answer a complex social practice such as monogamy. It's very hard to trace one physiological characteristic to faithfulness, and society is such a strong driving force, it's an extremely difficult challenge to parse whether this complex human behavior has evolved culturally or biologically. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you cheat and you try to blame it on your huge chimpanzee balls, sorry dude, but science does not have your back on this one. Damn. <laughs> Hold on to your balls. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just 
disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Greed seems like one of the most natural elements on Earth. After all, evolution seems to be based on greed. Animals that gain the most resources and breeding opportunities succeed. But the added component of social networks among animals creates a competing force. Social groups may offer more benefits than temporary greed provides. Perhaps in this way, complex emotions can take form in more intelligent social animals, such as envy. Humans are the ultimate social animal, and we have a complex emotional landscape that includes being angry at those who we deem to be too greedy, and also to be envious of those whom we think have gotten an unfair share. But are we the only ones who shall covet our neighbor's ox, or as we'll see in some cases, our neighbor's grapes? That's usually what I'm most covetous of, is the number of grapes that my neighbors have. Grapes are so good. Yeah. 
it's like now that I'm an adult and I can't just eat candy whenever I want, it's I feel like sometimes when I eat grapes or or little those little clementines, yeah, like, oh, this is like candy, and then I, I feel sad because like my seven year old inside me is like, you fool. I found that it uh, helps to just keep eating candy like you're a child until your teeth fall out. That's true. Uh, Yeah, but it's always between whether I'm more jealous of my neighbor's grapes or their oxen. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like your neighbor gets an ox and then you get an ox and then they get like... (laughs) The ox arms race. (laughs) A Jetta, which I don't know. I think I'd rather have an ox. Oh, for sure. So... It's time for Imagination Station. Woohoo! Yeah. All right. So, eyes closed. And I, I, everybody should know that my eyes are actually closed during are. this. And I find that it helps uh, and that you should also close your eyes. Close your eyes. It's, unless even you're, if you're driving. driving. Okay. Even if you're driving. Right. I will go on record and say that. Yeah. I, <laughs> Good. I, I'm not. I'm not. Go- I'm so- keep your eyes open. Drive okay. safe. Buckle up. Safety yeah. first. Pause this, though. <laughs> Turn it off. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, say you and a friend find someone's wallet. What would make you angrier? Getting no reward for turning in the wallet. Or say your friend hands it over to the owner and the owner is just like, oh, thank you. You know, you're so great and completely ignores you and then like gives them $200 and says, don't you dare share a cent of this $200. So, they get all of the credit, all of the reward, and not you. Sorry, what was the first scenario again? You just don't get a reward at all. We return it and don't get no, yeah. a reward. Th- or my like, friend gets the reward right. and I get none of it. Right, exactly. And my friend is not willing to share it with me? No. Huh. Because that friend is me, and oh, I'm no. not sharing it at all. <laughs> I think I would have to think about who my friends are <laughs> and whether they're really my friends, Katie. <laughs> Uh, my eyes are still closed. Should I open them? Uh, sure. Okay, I'm... cool. Woo! Uh, it was dark in there. <laughs> what so, next? <laughs> well, no, what, what would... What I'm mad would, at you. You're mad at me. Would you feel worse if, like, you handed in the wallet and the person's like, oh, great, thanks, and they didn't give you any reward? Or if just me, just me, Katie, got all of the reward? Huh. I feel like... See, I'm extremely uh, passive and conflict averse, mm-hmm. so I would probably just be happy that you got money, and then probably like months down the road, be like, "Wait a second, <laughs> asshole!" Uh, no, I yeah, I would probably be happier that you got some money. Really? Yeah, but I'm better than most people. I yeah, think. yeah, because I wouldn't feel that way, like. I feel like if we both found the wallet together, like if it was sort of a, a team effort of lifting this wallet, like, right? like each taking a corner of the wallet and lifting it off the ground, like, oh, this is a heavy ass wallet. Or like I spotted it and they picked it up and helped find the person. And then they just got all the reward. Even though on my surface, what my face would be saying would be, oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Good for you. I'm so I'm happy. I'm not buying that, by the way. You got that $200 and I didn't get anything, even though it's not fair. I think a place I'm very spiteful is in sports and politics. Like, hmm. I would much rather neither side win than my team lose and the other side win. Oh, like, interesting. I, I hate the team that... Uh, wins. I understand how that works with sports, but with politics, what does that mean? Neither side winning. So, like, if like if the nuclear world, de- yeah. devastation, 
if it was between Trump winning the 2016 election mm-hmm. and the world being as bad off as it is right now, or neither side winning, society collapsing, and the world being as bad off as it is right now, I would probably go with society collapsing because yeah. I hate that the Republicans think they're <laughs> right about things right now. Yeah. But I feel like that's for a different podcast. Okay. So, yeah. Something like a Daily Zeitgeist <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, maybe. Sorry. You know, maybe have me on the Daily Zeitgeist. Mm. <laughs> You've been on the Daily Zeitgeist. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you don't need to say it through clenched teeth. It was Just light, say, hey, maybe have me on. Cl- okay. Lightly clenched teeth. Jack, I would love to be on your show again. It's I a would great love show. to have you, Katie. Yeah, this, All right. this is just strangely tense. I think it's because we imagined It'd be me. Great to have you, Katie. <laughs> we imagined me taking all of your money. That's right. That's what did it. That's so I guess I'm not as uh, nice as I thought. Right, and neither are chimps. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> okay. So I, I didn't think chimps were nice, though. Yeah, I know they they did rip that one lady's face off. Yeah, I know yeah. that's what that's what did it for me. I, I was like, maybe chimps are nice, and then yeah. they ripped that woman's face. I, off. I listened to that nine one one call, and ugh, yeah, it, it's pretty rough because it's just. I mean, that woman survived, but her friend calls in, and it's just like, ugh, it's ugh. gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. So researchers, they are always dicks and they like to make dicky experiments where they dick around with chimpanzees. So Mm. two chimpanzees were given rewards for exchanging tokens with the researcher. So like they get like a little like tablet or coin or something and they hand it to the researcher and they get a reward and they're trained that this is how it works. So they're becoming good, good capitalists. In the test condition, the subject chimp was given a lesser reward than his partner. Um, So a bland, stupid cucumber versus a juicy, amazing grape. Mm. Um, the chimps who were given the cucumbers uh, responded really negatively. So they're really jealous that for the same token that their partner gets like a grape and then they get a shitty cucumber and they're really upset. A uh, grape versus a cucumber? Yeah. Mm. I mean, grapes... Grapes are way better. Grapes are way better. And for chimps, grapes are like, the best. They're like, the best thing yeah, you can just get. if you can imagine, like, you know, they're like cronuts or something. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> back to cucumbers. Um, the, the, <laughs> the chimp dicks of vegetables. Right. Okay, that sorry. is true. They are the chimp dicks of vegetables. Uh, and so when the chimps just got a stupid cucumber and not a great a grape, they would respond, quote unquote, negatively, which hmm. includes refusing to participate in the study, which is really funny to me, just visualizing. <laughs> That's amazing. Like a chimp just like folding its arms and being like, well, I won't be in your stupid I experiment. Know. Seems very passive for a yeah. chimp. Yeah. yeah. And they'll going on strike. They'll refuse to accept the cucumber. So they'll like not even take it. Like, I won't even take your stupid shitty cucumber um that they can even throw away the cucumber so right. like like throw it like i know you want your cucumber yeah just let it fall to the yeah. ground limply yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and what's really interesting is chimps also differentiate between greed and jealousy so it's not just that they really they're really greedy they want the grape and so they're angry that they don't get the grape it's that they're specifically angry that their partner got the grape, but not them. Mm-hmm. So uh, chimps were shown a tasty grape and then prompted to do the whole exchanging coins for the grape. But instead, uh, both the chimp test subject and his partner received 
gross cucumbers. Uh, and in that case, they were less likely to respond negatively. Like they weren't thrilled, but they weren't as violently angry. So they were just pissed, but in a general sense, because cucumbers suck? Yeah, cucumber. Like, it, I mean, imagine if someone handed you a cucumber. How would you react? Just like, <sighs> the fuck? Yeah, I guess. I don't it, want a cucumber. Were, were they led to believe a grape was the payment for this? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah, right. like yeah. they were shown a grape. Okay. It was and the old grape like, and switch. Yeah, it was the, the grape, grape and, switch. and switch. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. So they seem to have a concept of the unfairness of it and respond angrily. But it's the other person enjoying the grape that really sucks. Right, right. And I'm sure that other chimp is being a real asshole. Oh, yeah, like, right. mm, yummy. Yeah. I love this grape. Mm, it's so tasty. Right. <laughs> Chimps aren't known for their subtlety. No. Unless you give them a cucumber <laughs> and they just go on strike <laughs> quietly. I mean, not necessarily quietly. Like they'll throw it, throw a fit, you know. Good point. Get really angry. Yeah. Poop on you. Say your experiment's stupid. Yeah. Call you a small dicked experimenter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. In sign language, you know, you're probably good. Let's see, signing small and then. <laughs> Oblong. No, 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 wait. (laughs) So capuchins and even dogs will respond the same way in similar studies. Uh, And the dogs would sulk and refuse to perform tricks if they saw another dog receive rewards when they didn't. And I have a dog who's extremely spiteful. She uh, like will loudly sigh if she feels like she's been tricked. So like she knows the drop it command and she'll get a treat. And like, but now she's just learned that she takes things and steals things. And if she takes something, then she can uh, extort treats out of me. But if I like get the thing from her without rewarding her, she'll like go like, <sighs> and it's like really angry at me and, and sulks. And like, cause she's like, that's not how we play this game. Um, so much of this is reminding me of having a two year old because yeah. he is very. Uh, we we also have a dog, and if a piece of his food falls on the ground, uh, he doesn't care unless the dog gets it, in which case he's like, you motherfucker, <laughs> gets so mad at our dog. Well, that's interesting because uh, so chimps will actually show a similar level of greed and cooperation as human children. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're like, you know, these researchers are like, hmm, we're going to test these chimps and compare their scores to human children. Uh, and so uh, here's a, a, a slight variation on the study we were talking about before. So uh, chimps were offered two tokens. One token meant that both the chimp and its partner would receive an equal food reward. So that's the like cooperative token. And then there's the selfish token, which when they hand that into the researcher, they just get all of the rewards. So double the reward. <laughs> um, so, I mean... Obviously, that's bad parenting. By the way, <laughs> do the selfish thing, and you get double. Uh, these are bad parents to these chimps. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the catch is that uh, he can't just hand the token to the experimenter. So in one condition, he can, and and when it's just like you're just sort of, it's called like the dictator. Um, game where it's like you just get to control the tokens. They obviously hand in the one that gives them all of the treats. Mm. Um, but then in the ultimatum game, they have to hand. They don't have a direct way to hand it to the uh, the researcher, so they, they have, have to, to hand do it. A suck blow. Like, <laughs> oh no! They hand it to a partner, uh, and then that partner can hand it in to the researcher. Uh. 
So that means they get to select the token, but their partner has to actually be the one to turn it in for the reward. And that's why it's like an ultimatum. That partner gets to decide whether or not they're going to actually go through with the transaction. Um, so in that case, the chimpanzees will actually select the one that is more fair and hand it in to their partner, um, which seems to make sense. Like they're thinking, well, you know, you might think that it's because they've learned that when they hand in the selfish one, they just get nothing, right. like that it's some kind of operant conditioning. But actually it turns out that it is completely independent of actual consequence. So like they didn't find that the partner chimp would refuse to hand in tokens. So the chimp is sort of predicting that perhaps this is the more pro-social thing to do and will preemptively be more fair rather than responding to a consequence. I think I kind of understand that. So, yeah, so it's like there's no situation in which they don't receive a reward. They're never punished for handing in the selfish token to their partner. Their partner is just kind of like indiscriminately handing in the tokens to the researcher. Got it. So really, it's more they're thinking, oh, you know, this may either they're kind of thinking, well, maybe if I hand this to my partner, it's going to piss them off. Or they're kind of almost like maybe sheepish, like this is going to seem really rude because I think right. that's that's actually the case with uh, humans as well where it's like sometimes we do things that there's no consequence like say you have like a grocery cart and you're in a, a parking lot and like nobody's around to see you like leave it right you know and but you still kind of feel like mm, I'm just gonna like push it out of the way of the cars and like put or put it in the carousel you do yeah what yeah no way I push it out into traffic <laughs> oh no, yeah that that is the right thing to do that is correct yes. um or just things like privately like like you're in your own home and you're deciding whether or not to recycle something like there's no social consequence to right. you no direct consequence right but right. you're you're just kind of like, you know, because you lo it's like there's maybe just kind of a social instinct. And so they actually found that human children did the same thing as the chimps. It's interesting because in the dictator game where they get complete control, complete power, they are selfish. But when they have to work together with this other child, even though there's not really a direct consequence to them handing the selfish t token to their partner – they will still be more generous in that social situation. I think the tokens thing is confusing me. Can okay. you put it in terms of bananas? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, so, I think I get it. I was yeah. Just... So, like, basically, if you don't have to work with some someone, like, you don't you don't have to look them in the eye and hand them this token that says "I'm about to dick you over." Got it. Then, and they can just directly hand it into the researcher. Uh, they, they'll hand in the token that's like, give me all of the reward. Got Whereas it. when they have to like be like, hey, would you please hand this to the researcher? It says I get both bananas. Right. Uh, would you be cool with that? They don't do that. They avoid right. that situation where they, they are more likely to be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a cool chimp slash child. Here's a token that says we both get bananas. Right. Because they somehow feel bad about the fact that it's fucking the other. Right, right. Over. Like, I wonder if it's even just having to look them in the eye and be like, I'm about to fuck you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, isn't there, so you opened this episode talking about the bagel experiment. Yeah. Isn't there a bagel experiment where there's eyes drawn on the, do you know this one? I don't, but that, I mean, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so there's this one where they uh, had a, like, donation, just leave whatever you want jar next to bagels. Right. And they found that, People gave way more money when they just put 
photographs of eyes on the thing oh, that's because so weird. it was just like they were somehow cool. being reminded yeah. that eyes were like of somebody looking at them. So it's almost like it's communicating to a very dumb and basic part of right. our brain. I mean, I I know they do that with the anti-shoplifting signs. Like they put a pair of eyes on those, and I think that's supposed to like deter people. Those aren't people. real eyes. They can't see me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it! I could have been doing a lot of crime. Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, even so, children were actually a little more fair than the chimps. So that that there is some hope for human children. They're a little um, nicer. <laughs> that is that is good for humans in general. Uh, my kid, not so much. Uh, <laughs> that would not be better. So that is that makes me fear for his future. Yeah, but I will think about that after we're done. With <laughs> uh, so it's tempting to think that humans are just naturally greedy, especially when reading the news or wanting to merge on the freeway. But a study by Yale psychologist David G. Rand calls this notion into question. In his study, participants engaged in various economic games similar to what we described with the chimps. He found that when people are given less time to think about their decision, they act more cooperatively and altruistically, meaning that it's only after careful consideration that we decide to be selfish. So we may not be able to blame our greedy nature on our impulses, but rather on our rationality. So it's like, hmm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be an asshole. That actually totally makes sense to me, but I've never thought about it before that all of my most like selfish, shitty decisions are the ones that I like reason my way yeah. into yeah, as opposed to like inherently just immediately knee-jerk doing the right thing. Right, right. I mean, I wonder if that's like when people like literally take a bullet for someone, I think that is they aren't. They don't give themselves time to think about it. Right, because it's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> well, and people who survive taking a bullet for someone or like there was like one guy who like jumped on the train tracks to flatten someone. Idiot. I mean, not only was it like not only was it altruistic, but it was really smart. And he thought about it in like half a second where it's like there's a guy on unconscious lying across the train tracks. Oh, right. And he like, he like jumped down, got him, you know, parallel to the tracks uh, so that he'd be under the car. Right. And they both survived and he like kept him flat so like the train just passed over him. Right. But I wouldn't recommend it. Like that's very risky. They could, He yeah. could have died. Um, but, I, you know, he didn't. And he was saying, like, af afterwards, he's like, you know, people are like, oh, you're so brave. And he's like, no, I mean, I literally wasn't thinking. And if I had thought, thought about, about it for it. longer, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, and that's a really common trend in, like, these amazing acts of altruism where there's, like, some part of our, our brain that's just, like, is very nice that we don't always listen to. Well, yeah, it's, like, courage equals not thinking <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's what you know chanting and a lot of the army drills are called thought stopping exercises oh. and when you're playing a sport and you choke it's usually because you're thinking about it right. whereas they say like a good way to get around choking in sports is to just start singing a song because you're focused on that and then you're you let like the you know unconscious part of your brain take over for the actions hmm. so yeah, it's basically our our ability to think. It's almost like uh, the book of Genesis and the Adam and Eve story <laughs> knew something. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The women just screw everything up. Thank you. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you did. On that lovely note, that won't get us angry DMs. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's not hard to find gluttonous sinners in the animal kingdom. Often animals will eat more than what's good for them. Open up the stomach of seagulls who come to buffet at a landfill and you can find tin foil, metal, glass, rubber bands, plastic cutlery, and more. Sharks also have eaten their fair share of creative cuisine, including boots, raincoats, pieces of boats, toys, license plates, 
Maybe that's where all the pogs wound up. But do humans ever eat the inedible? Pica is a disorder found in both humans and animals. Those with pica will eat inedible or even dangerous items. Some of the more common forms of pica are pagophagia, eating ice, trichophagia, eating hair, xylophagia, eating paper, lithophagia, stones, geophagia, soil, and even corporophagia, feces, which I'm sure I pronounced all of those perfectly. What's the name for people like me who eat Taco Bell? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Come on! Uh, uh, it can be a purely psychological disorder, but it can also indicate a mineral deficiency, such as low iron, which is associated with eating soil, or anemia, especially among those who eat ice. And I mean, like, water ice, not... Um, anyways. Pregnant <laughs> women and children are more likely to have pica and are also more likely to be simultaneously suffering from anemia. If you own a dog, you know they might occasionally dabble in coprophagia, the eating of their own feces. Coprophagia isn't always pica. Many animals find feces to be nutritional and delicious, such as rabbits, guinea pigs, baby koalas, and flies. Dogs who take to eating their poop may be trying to make up for a nutritional deficiency or to help nourish their gut biome. But they could also just be anxious or simply bored. That's why I do it. Yeah, I know. Who among us doesn't like to sit down and just eat some shit when you're bored? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> so earlier I mentioned trichophagia, which is also called Rapunzel syndrome, because uh, that means eating your own hair, which... As we know, in the classic fairy tale, she eats her hair. Yeah, right. The <laughs> famous story of yeah. Rapunzel who eats all her own hair. Love that scene in Tangled where she eats her own hair. Mm -hmm. um, this... Like a bunch of linguine, right? <laughs> so this can actually be really dangerous. Uh, hair is indigestible and can form blockages in the intestines. Right. I remember we did a story back in our days at that one website where, <laughs> yeah, like the weirdest things were removed. Back when we were like highbrow journalists, yeah. uh, we did an article about uh, the weirdest things removed from people's bodies yeah. and giant hairballs. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to be surgically removed. One of the record setting ones weighed 14 pounds. And That's don't you don't need to Google it. image it. You don't need to. It looks like a big chunk of condensed hair there. yeah i did i described it for you yeah it's uh it's if you've ever removed a hairball from like a drain mm -hmm. j just picture that that but like times 14 like a neutron star of that though. yes it's like very compacted right. but to put it bluntly so like eating other parts of your body wouldn't really technically count as pica because it'd be pretty nutritious like if you ate a finger that'd right. be nutritious uh what about Fingernails. No, that's just uh, th that that's just keratin. It doesn't doesn't no. add anything. Mm -mm, you can't mm. digest it. Sorry, Jack. I know that's a you've been doing it wrong. I have to start spitting them out. You're supposed to eat the actual fingers. Okay. Um. So <laughs> <My bad. laughs> let's go on an imagination journey through the mind. Toot toot. All aboard. Next stop, Imagination Station. All aboard the brain train. Mm -hmm. So if you were starving, what, what body part would you eat first? Like, like you're on a raft in the middle of the ocean. There's nothing you can eat. There's no fish in this scenario or you're just really bad at fishing. So it's like five years in the future? Right, right. right. Um, we're, all, we're all flooded, but there's no fish and all the bees are dead. And 
but you I've know, already eaten all the people that I've been. <laughs> I went on the board. You've already the eaten the cabin boy. Okay. Um, so there's no no more boys to eat. Um, <laughs> no more boys to eat. <laughs> um, so what body part would you eat first? My butt. Mm. Right. Where are you gonna sit though? Uh, what are you gonna I, sit on? I'm a face sleeper. Oh, okay. So just cut on into the butt. <laughs> I think is what I'd go for. Nice and meaty. And, a rump uh, roast? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. That's, that that's sounds, right. That sounds disgusting. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's like a good choice because it's very fatty. Thank you so much. That means <laughs> a lot to me. Uh, I am appreciate I appreciate you uh, in that roundabout yeah. way telling me I have a fat ass. Yeah, well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like there's not there's not like too many blood vessels there, so right. and no major arteries in your butt, uh, so you know you you uh, yeah. And let's face it, I'm a white male. Nobody's gonna miss right. my butt. It's it's you might barely there to begin with. You might like get like the nickname the the butt survivor, but you know butt survivor. Yeah. 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 Um. You mean the superhero name? Right. Butt survivor. Right, but you do actually have to. I mean, like, I feel. I guess if you're starving, though, would like a a human butt be appetizing? I think it's the first thing I would eat, even if I had food. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Uh, no, I I don't know. Yeah, I guess I was kind of thinking that that has the most because don't they say that fat has a lot of energy, like a lot of calories? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, fat is. Yeah, it, it has a lot of calories, and it's pro- you're probably getting the most bang for your buck with the butt, right? Because uh, there's no, there's not like bones in there. There's right. not ten, a lot of tendons and yeah. like. Uh, it would be among the hardest things to tourniquet, though. How that you, is true. How do you how, do a butt tourniquet? I don't know, but you know, maybe like, maybe you just like slice it real thin, right? Like like a ham. Like uh-huh. one of those, like shaved like, ham. like one of those slicers at the grocery store. So it's like it's so thin you don't even feel it. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. But uh... I, there's like this thing called like mapping the human body project or something, and like it's where they take dead people's bodies and, and then like tra- they map the whole body by taking pictures of cross sections all throughout the body. And to do that, you have to freeze. Oh, the thin slicing. Yes, yeah. they they freeze the body and actually watch this, <laughs> and it's a. Uh, you know, when you get past the fact this was like a human, it's actually kind of interesting because they like take like very thin shavings off of it and take a picture. And then that way they can make a 3D. They, they put all of those pictures into a computer program and it makes a, an entirely complete 3D model of everything. The skin, the fat tissues, the circulatory system, the bones. Mm. Um, and there was this lady who like volunteered to do it. And it's just like. It's so weird because you like there's just like a pair of legs and like the bottom half of the body just like getting sliced up and it's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's yeah. really uh, yeah. Um, so I thought this was about uh, <laughs> gluttony, not lust. <laughs> All right, fellas. All right. Uh, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> so help me out here. Eating your own butt would be called auto cannibalism. And sea squirts are marine <laughs> sea squirts <laughs> are marine invertebrates who practice auto cannibalism. So in their adult forms, they look like these weird, blobbly, colorful tube thingies that uh, they don't even look like animals. They look like some kind of weird SpongeBob plant because they're 
uh, attached to rocks or reefs. They don't really move on their own. They just kind of look like like very colorful inflatable you know those like inflatable dudes that are outside of like car dealerships and stuff where it's like oh it's like a wacky inflatable dude nick do i have to tell her that those aren't real dudes oh am i oh i need to reassess my relationship then (laughs) (laughs) dating one of those Uh. um so adults can either be solitary or form colonies and they they're really weird and it took me a lot of time to wrap my mind around this because they can reproduce sexually by just shooting out sperm and eggs or uh, by collecting sperm that is fertilized within the sea squirt and they can also reproduce asexually by budding which is a form of like creating a clone of itself forming colonies and it's just it's basically they'll just try anything once budding b-u-d-d-i-n yes yes not butting that's that's what we were talking about earlier with the butt eating right um that is the scientific name for it by the way could we edit it so that when she asks what i would do or even before she asked the question i have the i'd eat my own butt answer like way too ready to go just like (laughs) immediately i'm just like I'd eat my own butt, Katie. Uh, (laughs) Proceed with your question. (laughs) So, uh, some colonial species of sea squirts are linked by root-like projection called stolons, uh, which uh, sounds like gross. And these stolons can grow into new individuals within the colony called zooids. This just sounds like an alien porno now. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put my stolen in your zooid. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, yeah. it does. Yeah. It's super hot, and everyone was thinking that before you said it. Yeah. I, I mean, we're all on the same page here, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. So other species of sea squirts can just, like, break apart and form new buds, uh, like new little proto sea squirts or they'll split in half and make two sea it's just like they do anything they right. they're like they can they can have sex by just randomly tossing out sperm and eggs or like sperm and eggs <laughs> and like it, it's just it's crazy that they have all these different types of reproductive strategies where they can like just be like mm, i'm just gonna like just pop off a couple babies asexually or I'm just going to like dissolve into a few new babies or or I'll split in half and create a twin. It's it's Man, really weird. That would be a great imagination station for down the road, just imagining if humans had the ability to just reproduce all of those ways. Like, mm-hmm. would we ever have sex with each other? Because I feel like everybody would just probably break themselves off because we're all narcissists. Or but... Something. I mean, I feel like people don't always just have sex to have babies these days. What? I know, right? I'm sorry. I have to reevaluate sor- my relationship. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> um, so for sea squirts who fertilize their eggs, doing reproduction in the, the normal god fear an American way, in the missionary position. <laughs> Mish position. <laughs> a larva will form. And the larva actually looks like tadpoles, which is weird because the adult forms of sea squirts look like weird plants. Mm. And the larva look like uh, actual kind of like, you know, like a tadpole. Um, and they undergo a process called retrogressive metamorphosis mm-hmm. because that means that their adult form is more simplistic than the larval form, just like humans. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Yeah, we lose a lot of our souls when we become adults. Yeah, you said it, saying. sister. Yeah. Um. So children they, are so pure. They are pure. No, oh, that's, no, <laughs> nobody has ever said that who has had children. Right. Right. They're um, monsters. Yeah. So they attach themselves to rocks or reef material, and they'll become immobile filter feeders, which is called being sessile, which to me, it just sounds like alien porn again. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, like, I'm going to put my sessile inside of your geoid. (laughs) I like that that's your sex voice. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I'm here to deliver some stolens, but look, appears you do not have any credits, so I'm going to (laughs) sessile you. (laughs) So basically, they're just a mouth, a stomach, and a butt tube. Uh Um, But that's not the crazy part. The Sea squirt larvae have, like tadpole form of them, have this very simple brain vesicle. It's a nerve cord and a primitive precursor to the spine uh, and sensory organs. So like an eye dot, which detects light, and an autolith, which detects gravity. So it forms this very simple, dumb little brain nervous system that allows it to seek out a solid surface to attach to. Hmm. Once it attaches itself to a reef and becomes an adult, it will eat its own brain, nervous system, and tail because it doesn't need them anymore. Huh. Kind of. So this is one of those things where, like, the headlines are like, it eats its own brain. And then you read it further, and it's still really cool, but it's not just, like, somehow physically impossibly, like, turning around and chewing on its own brain. Right. It just dissolves it and digests it. Right, right. So it absorbs it kind of like if anybody watches Doctor Who, the absorbable off, where it just sort of like melds things into its body. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Oh, yeah. No, we all watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Move along. Here in America. Move along. I watch SportsCenter. So... It'll absorb its own tail, nerve cord, and sensory organs, and the brain vesicle that controls movement and digestion is also absorbed, and it's recycled into sort of a more simple form of, like, it's a cerebral ganglion, which is just kind of a group of nerve cell bodies that uh, now all it does is allows it to eat and reproduce, so turns into... Uh, just this like tube that it's just like eating, having sex, and pooping. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate sinner because it's, it's the like equivalent of like getting drunk for that species. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I guess so because it's just like sitting around, just allowing everything to come to it. Like you know, like it doesn't even move to like go have sex. It's just like nah, I don't know, just come you know, yeah. order a pizza. It's like getting way too drunk, I think, is right. probably, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Debilitatingly. Yeah, drunk. like yeah, yeah. like the kind of drink you shouldn't be doing where yes. you're just like ordering a bunch of food off of like Amazon Prime where you're just like groceries, not even a meal. Just like, I, <laughs> I want like, I want like a dozen eggs. Right, yeah, yeah. I, oh, oh pomegranates. Yeah. I mean, I like pomegranates. Though. Yeah, yeah. The antioxidants. Because you're not taking into account all the work that's going to go into eating that pomegranate. I'll just eat a pomegranate. Mm-hmm. That's when you know, you know, like when it's just like you you wake up and you're surrounded by like eggshells and <laughs> like half-eaten pomegranates that you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's that's what told me. <laughs> so, uh, but if you're more interested in the kind of glutton that uses its mouth to eat 
you gosh darn unaccepting people. Right. You should be able to eat. You're too close-minded. I know. Uh, There's a frog called the Argentinian widemouth frog, which is (laughs) just really insulting. Just like, you widemouth. It's also known as the Pac-Man frog, and it makes a lot of sense because... The frog has a mouth that takes up a bunch of its body volume. And it mainly subsists on ghosts. (laughs) So it looks like a green Pac-Man, and it acts like one too. It'll just fearlessly eat rodents, reptiles, large spiders, each other, and even prey that's too large to fit in its mouth. And it'll, it'll actually like choke to death or even rip its own stomach open, attempting to gorge itself on something way too big. Wow. Uh, and there are like pictures of it, like with like a lizard just like popping out of its stomach. Cause it's like, tr- it's like, that looks about right. And it's just like forcing it in like Kirby, just like, get in there. Stop. (laughs) What is the evolutionary advantage of like not having a, I'm too full reflex? Just fast eating. Like, and it's, it's not even that it's too full. It's like that it doesn't even, it's not even thinking about like what it's eating. It's just like, Eat, eat, eat. It's like uh, it, if it isn't thinking before eating, it's going to be faster at grabbing prey. And uh, and then like on average, you know, that'll be OK because even like like big, bigger prey, prey that's too big will generally maybe be able to escape. And so like no harm, no foul. But like uh, if it's indiscriminate, it's going to get as much in there as possible. But sometimes um, too much. Sometimes too much. And then the, the, they're just like a statistic. And, uh, right. you know, it's it's too yeah. bad f- for the Pac-Man frog. But overall, it's a relatively good strategy to just yeah. like. I guess animals can look at us and be like, why do they do drugs until they die? <laughs> that didn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so creepier still, there's a human version of the Argentinian widemouth frog. I feel now bad because I'm about talking. I'm about to cause <laughs> talk like, about me. No, no. Oh, okay. So it's he's actually a French man in the late 18th century, and I swear I did not plan out like calling them like like make, oh, comparing right. a French person to a frog. That was That's not fine. intentional. You're more clever than that. There's no reason to do that. I, I yeah. not intentional. So in the late 18th century, this guy was known simply as Tarar. And Tarar was insatiably hungry, eating anything and everything he could. Uh, He was a normally sized man, even kind of a little bit on the skinny side, Mm. but his stomach would distend to accommodate his strange and gluttonous diet. I think what the kids call this day like a food baby. Uh, Uh Uh-huh, yeah, uh, that is what we call it. He had an abnormally wide mouth and loose skin on his cheeks, just like kind of flopping around. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And his own- Katie just unlocked her jaw (laughs) and just (laughs) made her mouth enormous. Fit an entire gerbil inside my mouth. Yeah. Um, His own parents kicked him out for eating too much. He traveled as an entertainer. Uh, and this is kind of gross, but he would swallow full baskets of apples, dozens of eggs, feasts in one sitting, and even live eels, snakes, lizards, and live cats and puppies. Which, what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is back in the 18th century where they're just like, eh, it's, we Come don't see the amazing. 
we don't have TV, so bottomless pit. I don't know. Eat a kitten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Throw your cat at him. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so there, you know, PETA didn't exist at the time, so people were like, "Oh, he he just ate seven kittens." Right. How droll. Um, <laughs> so while he was in the hospital attempting to undergo treatment, he even attempted to eat bodies in the morgue. And he was accused, although it was not proven, of eating a toddler. Uh, huh. So the hospital kicked him out. Oh, like, come on. Well, like, they're like, all right, you can eat as many dead bodies in the morgue, but you eat a toddler, that's it. You, oh, you, he like. You're out of mulligans. They found him in like the newborn nursery? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, what they, I think a toddler just went missing. So they were like, ta I heard he even ate the hospital food. <laughs> Am I right, guys? All right. Uh, so the hospital kicked him out. I've been Jack, everyone. <laughs> Jack's been Jack. <laughs> Jack's been Jack. Um, and so that's the story of Terrar, the legendary human Pac-Man frog. The hospital kicked him out and he just kind of- Well, he eventually died, yeah. Dissolved into darkness. Dissolved into like like several smaller terrars. Like, no like, one knows where he is to this day. <laughs> he might be. He could be right behind you. That's right. In your back seat. Yes. Because you're driving. Or like, yeah. You Open can... your eyes, by the way. Oh, shit. We never told them oh, to open no. their eyes again. No, drive. Oh, You've got no. a seat to drive. Your car is covered in human body parts. Well, at least, you know. At least you learned something. At least you, you learned. You've been on a journey. You've been on a learning journey. Learning journey. <laughs> learning journey. Uh, that's going to be the new name of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> my good mouth eating boys, a learning journey. So this seems like it was a more common thing to just eat shit. Like not shit, but like eat just things that aren't supposed to be eaten. Because another article we did at uh, our old hi highbrow publication <laughs> was uh, about like people with really weird diets. And Darwin, in addition to like discovering all these species and like coming up with the theory of evolution, ate every species that yeah. he documented. And there are a bunch of kings and other people throughout yeah. history who just like ate everything. They thought it was like a sign of like, yeah. maybe that was before we had gotten used to being out of the food chain and like that's how you showed your dominance I over mean, stuff. I mean, it is interesting. There's like that one French scientist guy who like, this was like right before the French Revolution and like all he would do is drink milk for a long time to see if that worked. Mm -hmm. He was killed in the revolution, but... To see if that would bring peace to the French countryside? I don't think... No, I oh. think it was more of a scientific thing. Like, can you just drink milk? Oh, to see if that would yeah. give him all the sustenance that he needed. Yeah. Mussolini was also that. He would only eat uh, white things, and mostly at the end of his life it was just Racist. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that about Mussolini. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, although to be fair to Darwin, if you're like the grandfather of discovering all these new species, wouldn't you just taste them? I wouldn't, but that's where uh, you if and Darwin you, are different. From if me. you found like an entirely new turtle, you wouldn't just taste it. Just I mean, he on it. ate them. He ate an yeah. entire turtle, like a giant yeah. tortoise. People ate turtles. That yeah, used to but be that's food crazy. I mean, there used to be a food before, like we killed a lot of them and I guess so. went out of vogue. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. This is the animal themed podcast where we actively encourage eating endangered <laughs> <you> species. <laughs> So, uh, 
Jack, you got anything to plug? I don't know, like maybe a podcast of some sort? Yeah, we have a podcast here on this very network. It's called The Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, we publish a new episode every weekday. It is I, uh, my co-host, Miles Gray, who was on the episode about Weird Moms from season one. We talk about all the news that's fit to print, uh, and just trying to figure out what people are thinking and talking about down in pop culture it's a blast and you can follow me on twitter at jack underscore o'brien and you can follow us on twitter by us i mean me it's the royal us uh, <laughs> at creature feet pod not feet like as in feet but f-e-a-t uh, you can follow me at katie golden and at pro bird rights because i'm very much an activist for birds for burbs uh, and we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creature Feature. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.